Hello, this is Coach Aaron Saft, and I'm glad you found the MR Running Pains podcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, I have a friend and fellow runner, Tara Jordan, here on the podcast, as I advertised last week. Uh, Tara, uh, I have known her and her family for quite some time. Um, I was around when Tara started her trail running journey, as we kind of talk about here on the podcast, but um, Tara did Hellbender um, last year in 2022, my last year of race directing um, that race, and um, it was wonderful to see her come across that finish line and experience that with her. Uh, we talk about that and her recent second place finish at the Cruel Jewel 100. Um, Tara, it's just, she's so nonchalant <laughs> and unassuming. It's wonderful and refreshing. Um, love that. I love that about her. She doesn't race a ton, but when she does, she gets it done. And, uh, we're going to talk about all of that and her running. So, um, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Tara Jordan. Uh, when our f- conversation's over, I'll kind of talk about everything going on here in the world of MR running pains because uh, we may have some changes coming up. So I'll keep you posted on that after my conversation with Tara Jordan. How are you doing, Tara? <laughs> I'm doing really well, actually. <laughs> it's recovering pretty well. Yeah, she she was walking pretty well. It's uh, pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Up and down stairs are still just a slightly painful in my quads, but <laughs> but not but not too bad. And I made her go upstairs to, to record the episode <laughs> Right, thanks. Here. <laughs> Appreciate that. Where's your elevator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that for the next episode. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, you know, Tara has just uh, come so long, so far. And uh, I can remember um, listening to your podcast. It, it reminded me of uh, you talked about the the group runs we used to do from uh, Biltmore Park. Biltmore Park, and yes. uh, I remember running with you um, on one of your your first times coming to the, the the group runs, and we went out to the mountains to see trail. And you were saying how this was all new to you. <laughs> Had no idea trail running was a thing. <laughs> and I mean, you've just come such a long way. Um, so um, we'll start. Um, you know. I don't know how many people have heard your podcast, which is Facing Vert, and we can talk about that too, but um, we'll just start with uh, who is Tara Jordan? <laughs> who is Tara Jordan? Um, wow, that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I am a wife to Jonathan and a mama to three kiddos. I've got Fearson, who's 13, and Nash, who is 11, and Kata, who is 10, and... I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Everything I do is for him, and he is the reason why I run, because he created me to do it. So I'm going to do it as long as I possibly can, <laughs> as long as he gives me the legs to do it. So That's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else to, to say. But, um, well, you're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. So and a YouTuber. <laughs> well, not really, but <laughs> I've got a few things on YouTube, but I'm definitely not a YouTuber. But um, yeah, so I just, you know, I love, I love the world of running and trail running, and I have found somewhat of a purpose in that and a, a release from just everyday life. And so, so I think that's why I'm, I kind of do the things that I do and just get out there, whether it's by myself or with friends and enjoy that time with, with nature and with company whenever I can. So right on. Um, so you now have two 100 milers to your name. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you first started 
Um, was that even in the, the thought process? When I first started running? When, well, you know, let's, like, uh, let's say um, well, let's your fast first forward. result was like 2015, I think, um, in which you did the, the Yeti or Not. Um, oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> that, that was, I think that was my first trail race. Um, no, I, I thought people that did any farther than a marathon were pretty crazy. So <laughs> never did I think I would run an ultra. Um, I remember talking to my B group friends, um, on Monday nights and, you know, hearing people talk about doing long, longer than a marathon or just th- these different races through the mountains. And, and I just thought it was crazy because first of all, I didn't like to, I actually didn't like climbing. On, on even on the Monday night runs, I'm like, oh gosh, how much are we climbing? Are we doing stairs? Or are we doing the wall? And and I I just I really didn't like it. And I think it's just it's just hard, you know. And it's one of those things that it almost doesn't get easier. And um, so the thought of doing any sort of long mountainous run just sounded miserable to me. But I I think really just hearing people talk about their experiences when they did do something longer, it it started to pique my interest. And, you know, when you're around people that are into certain things, you start thinking about doing those things. And then we would just do longer runs on the weekends, on Saturdays, and you you realize that you you are capable of more than you think you are. And so, yeah, that I, I guess that's how I signed up for my first, I think 50 K. Um, I said, okay, let's try this. And I remember being so nervous about it, but let's see, that was, was that Hulabaloo? That was Hulabaloo. Hulabaloo. However you say that. Hulabaloo. Yeah. Yeah, Hulabaloo. And that was in like around the DuPont. uh, Uh, 2018. Yes. Wow. 2018. So, (laughs) so, and that one was a a loop, like a 10 ish mile loop that you did three times. And I, I, I remember writing about it and just saying, I'm so nervous. Please pray for me. You know, I'm, I don't know if I can do this. And all my friends were like, you can do it. And so that, that was, that was an exciting first, first run for me. Absolutely. Um, let's go back before that. You mentioned B group. Yes. Um, B group has been very influential yes. uh, on you and to you. So talk about B group. Who is B group? <laughs> Who is B group? I know. Cause people don't know what that is. Well, when we, so when I first started kind of getting more into enjoying running, road running, I joined the, I guess it was FootRx, Biltmore Park Run. It was just a road run and just to get to know people because I'm actually pretty shy when it comes to getting to know people. So running with people was very scary to me because then I would have to talk. And But it was actually awesome um, to, to just, when you're running, you just you talk about all kinds of things and more things than you would probably sit down and talk to someone that you didn't know in a coffee shop, you know, (laughs) you just talk more. And so just joining that run then moved over to, um, hard times trailhead and bent Creek and became a, a group, B group, C group, D group. And they had the different levels to where you could choose the group that you felt the most comfortable and, um, meet people that are around your pace group. And that was, that was really nice. I didn't exactly know where I fit in. So I just tried the B group and there was a lot more people that ran that than, than did the road run. And so I got to know all kinds of people in there, Tom and Sarah and Tori and gosh, just so many people. And 
then after that, you know, once we'd run every single Monday night, I I'd, I'd tried not to miss a night. We would go on Saturdays and, and do other adventures together. So it wasn't just Mondays, but we would get together whenever we could. And so those people, that core group of people just became some of my best friends and people that I could talk to about anything and the ones that encourage you to do great things and and support you and pace you and crew you and, and do all those things. And we just we've just gotten so close and it's, it's great because you can call on, on them anytime. And we even have little hats, say B group. <laughs> so we just, we became a little club, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Which one of the B groupers, uh, was one of your pacers. Yes. At, at, Tom. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Sharkey. So yes. we'll, we'll talk about Tom here in a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this influence that the B group had on you, um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I printed off your, your ultra sign up results, which always, you know, there's can be stuff left out, but if we look at your, your natural progression, um, you know, starting in 2015, we said you did the Yeti or not, which was 25 K DuPont state forest. Um, it was, uh, 2018. So three years later that you did 30 K <laughs> the rooster's revenge. Oh yes. <laughs> yep. Up in the Mills river wreck area. Yep. Um, still one of my favorites. Um, so, and then, um, looks like you use that in your build towards hullabaloo because that was, uh, about, well, about a month and a half later. Right. I did. Yes. So you had a really nice progression, you know, you did yet yeah, you're not twice, um, you know, 2015 and then again in 2018. Um, so you had plenty of time in building towards this 50 K yet still you were questioning yourself. Oh, that, yeah, that was not, that was not the goal <laughs> was to run a 50 K, but yeah, I just liked doing those races. Right, which you ended up with uh, quite the result at the at the fifty k. <laughs> yes, um, I think surprising. You, yeah, I think you surprised yourself a little bit, um, having you know not the uh, the confidence to say, "Can I get fifty k?" But um, you, you ended up taking first female. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and that was so great because I needed a new watch. My my watch was dying at that point. And of course I had no idea that I was going to win this thing. And when I crossed the finish line, they told me I was first female. First of all, it was just overwhelming. And then they gave me for the, my prize was a Sunto nine watch. <laughs> and I think I, I cried cause I needed a watch and you know, <laughs> there's not many races that give swag like that. Right, right. And so I got that and that, that's what I use to this day. So that's, that's, uh, that's yeah. my winning watch. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's so great. I mean, you're so unassuming because I mean, even through the the races, we, you've you and I have experienced many races. I being the race director and you being yes. the, the racer, so you're always so unassuming because um, you came out to Fontaine Dango, yes, yeah, <laughs> um, which uh, again another ten mile loop course. Uh, you did the fifty k out there, yes, <laughs> and had a very similar result. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, yes, one again. Um, <laughs> didn't expect that either I, I think I just never ex- expect I don't see myself as you know someone that can win these things or podium and so it's very surprising when, when I actually do so yeah, that I was love a fun how one. unassuming you are and <laughs> well it was fun too because our family got to go and stay the little yeah the village you know the village yeah. there and yeah. and they were out there to cheer me on and I think they really just enjoyed going somewhere and yeah. staying and then oh. and then seeing me come through and the fact that it's a loop was was great because mm-hmm. they could see me each and every time that I came through, and they didn't get to go to my fifty k, um, the hullabaloo one. Gotcha. So so they 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 really enjoyed being out there. Had they experienced any of the races prior? Um, I'm trying to think. 
you know, not, I think maybe they were, gosh, I can't even remember. My brain is so fuzzy, but, um, (laughs) if they even came out to any of the other races, but I I just clearly remember that one, the, the Fontandango, just because they were there and, you know, they, they would of course come out, um, maybe to see me finish at a, at a small race or something like that, but, but nothing like that one. Do you, uh, do they remember Oh yes, yeah. they do. They still talk about it because they got to stay, uh, <laughs> you know, overnight in a yeah. hotel room, and right. and, yeah. and they just enjoyed being out in nature and playing in the woods <laughs> while they were waiting on me. So that's great. That's great. That's uh, I'm glad that they have those memories. Yes, um, me too. You know, like my daughter said to me the other day, you know, you have to go back to UTMB. I just don't remember enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I think I want to go with you too. <laughs> I'm jealous. Oh man. Uh, well, that's, well, it may be tortoise but <laughs> we'll get back over that's there. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, um, in 2019, it looks like you stepped up in distance. So you went up to the 50 mile. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. at looking glass. Yes. Um, at this point, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you had just hated Hills. You've Fontandango obviously had some, some challenge to it. Um, where mm-hmm. are you at in your progression? <laughs> oh, I actually really like um, hills now, <laughs> I think because I can't imagine, you know, running these dis- distances on flattish mm-hmm. courses because there's, there's somewhat a, a relief when you can power hike up. And then, you know, you see, when you see a, a mountain, everybody's like, you run the whole thing. I'm like, no, you know, yeah. you, when you see a mountain, you, <laughs> you power hike up at the best you can and right. you try to run the flats and the downhills. And so, without any of that relief, either of the power hike or even the downhills. I just, I think that's pretty epic if you can just <laughs> run a flattish hundred or 50 or whatever. Right. So I actually progressed into really liking, <laughs> um, the Hills. So very good. Um, at this point, um, you know, you've, you've now had what four years, um, what things have changed for you as your your training changed? What, oh, what yes. Look, yeah. So what kind of things were you doing differently? Well, that was so looking glass year was um, the year that I'd signed up for Hellbender. Mm-hmm. I had volunteered the year before um, for Hellbender. And, you know, of course, I always say, I'm never going to do this distance. I'm never going to do this <laughs> distance. And, of course, I said, I never, I'll never do 100. And then I volunteered at Hellbender. And there's just something about being in that environment and seeing those runners come through. And it just, it just, it made me want to do it. And I remember going home that after volunteering that year and just looking at Jonathan in the kitchen and saying, I think we're going to do hellbender. (laughs) And he was like, I'm not surprised. (laughs) So, um, but looking glass that year, I had signed up for it, not only just to, to do that distance, but also I needed a qualifier for Hellbender. And so Tom and I um, were both going to run it that year. So we, we said, okay, well, we're going to do that 50. And then after we cross the finish line, we're going to run another 12 more so that we can get in our 100K with over 10,000 feet of elevation gain. So it was a crazy concept, but it was, it's kind of the only way I wanted to do it to where I was almost forced to do the 50, but then after that, just get in the extra 12. So I would say that I, I definitely didn't have any sort of training program, which was, so it's kind of good. It got canceled in 2020, (laughs) but, um, because I, I would just go out and run, longish runs, maybe some back to back longish runs, but I I didn't have, I didn't have coach. I didn't have a plan. I wasn't going off of anything, 
which is not the smartest thing to do. Um, so looking back at the looking glass race that signed up, you know, and then signing up for Hellbender, how I probably should never have done that just because I wasn't really trained for it. Um, and then my training changed after that 2020 race because, well, that got canceled because I knew, okay, you need to really find something to go by so that you have some sort of schedule where you're not going into this cold. And so I literally found just a training program online, um, for a hundred miles and decided to follow that. And that, that just worked well with my schedule. It was flexible. And so I would say I went from no training plan to actually, you know, doing something consistently, consistently. Yes. So that helped. So (laughs) if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about training. Um, and, um, Tara keeps referring to Tom and again, that's Tom Sharkey and Tom's been on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Um, I will put his, uh, episode in the show notes. If you want to go back, it was a great episode on, uh, on mental depression and such. Mm -hmm. Um, so Tom is wonderful. Um, as you're going to hear, he, he just does so much for, for everybody and is just a, yes, a beacon. Yes. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about Tom, but, um, realizing that, you know, you wanted to, to put in more training, Mm -hmm. um, you've got, you know, a full-time job, three kids, husband. I mean, you've got other obligations. Right. Um, how did you fit that all in? How did you make it work? Um, I think, you know, and just before a training program of any sort, I would just get out when I could. So Jonathan, my husband is amazing about, um, you know, wanting me to be able to get out and do what I love. And so he'll stay home with the kids and he'll even ride the trainer. He says he's more of a cyclist. He's becoming more of a runner, but he, he, we have a trainer for him at home. And so he, he will ride inside so he can be at home with the kids so I can go out. Um, and that has been a, a huge help. And then I'll do the same thing. So he can go out on a bike ride. I'll stay at home. And so he can go out. And so I think that flexibility of him being uh, understanding my need to, to get out into the woods and, and to have that time. Um, I know not everybody has that, um, that luxury, but, but he was able to, he's always willing and able. And of course, after hours, you know, after work or I would, I would get out when I, when I can and you know Saturdays and then after church on Sundays I'll, I'll do my longer runs um, that's always a good time and he's also off on Friday so Fridays is a good day for me to get out while the kids are in school I mean school is a game changer you know when they're in school you have so much more freedom mm-hmm. so so being able to squeeze them in before I have to pick up the kids <laughs> is, is great but uh, talk about your communication with Jonathan. You know, you obviously communicated in that you wanted to do Hellbender. Yes. Um, which is vital to have your spouse's support through yes. any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having to squeeze in long runs and such mm-hmm. like that, uh, how far in advance are you guys talking about your schedule? Um, um, I would say, you know, he, he pretty much asked me, at the beginning of the week, like, mm-hmm. hey, what what runs do you have this week? Um, how long is your long run on Saturday? And you know, with soccer games and things like that, we have to figure out. Okay, I can I have enough time before it gets dark to get out after the soccer game. Um, so there's just the coordination of that, but really, it's just about a, a week in advance. Um, we don't plan out too too far ahead. So gotcha, gotcha. Um, good 
time to talk about the kids. Obviously, yeah. your your running has had an impact on them. Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're. I mean, you know, they're all into it. That's right. for sure. Yes. Um, we connected also um, at the Healthy Kids. Um, yes. Running series. Yes. Uh, I've known Fearson and Nash and Kata for a very long time. Yes. Um, ever since they were tiny tots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been a part of the running community and doing the running, and they've been very supportive, obviously, of your running and now Fearson being on the middle school team. Yes. Um, I think Nash is going to. Yeah, he's yeah, going to be in gonna cross come. country. That's I'm awesome. Super excited so, about that. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So just, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, my, my kids are very active and love to be outdoors, but the, the healthy kids running series was when I heard that that was happening, I I thought, gosh, this is a great opportunity just for them to, to get in some exercise, see how they feel about running, um, competition. They're, they're all competitive. But at that point, it was funny because Fearson was, I, gosh, I don't even know how little they were, but I think they started with the preschool races, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> which is a 50 yard. Is, is it? it 50, uh, that you're, I think Kata did the the 50. Okay. Um, I think Fearson at the time was doing like maybe the the quarter mile. So that would have been like maybe first and second grade or something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah, I think it, that's right. It's funny to look back at pictures of them running and <laughs> and, and they they loved it. It was every Sunday, mm-hmm. I think, and we we would we would go, and they couldn't wait to do it. And Nash is he, he's you know that's when we kind of discovered okay he's really fast, <laughs> um, his his legs move fast, and he he would just he'd win almost every race, and and he loved getting that trophy at the end, but you know the overall winner, and right. um, just seeing Fearson and her progression has just been insane to me because with healthy kids, she loved running, but she absolutely did not care where she was Mm -hmm. in the group. I mean, she didn't care if she was last Mm -hmm. in the middle, you know, she was just having a good time. I mean, I remember she would wear, we we had a little gizmo watch and she would wear her watch where she could call me (laughs) while she's running, (laughs) you know, whether it was the, the mile or whatever she would, she would talk to me while she was running and, um, and she had a little handheld. And yes, she, she always had her little handheld water <laughs> bottle. But now to see her, you know, as soon as she got into middle school and sixth grade and joined cross country, it's almost like it clicked with her. Okay, I really like this and I'm, I'm starting to be competitive. And she kind of blew me out of the water of, <laughs> of just how she, how competitive she, she is. And just to see her progression into seventh grade and, um, you know, getting into some of the top 10 and I, I, it's just, it's really been fun to see her fall in love with it. Not because of me, but literally because she, she loves it. Yeah. And you help provide those opportunities. Right. And you did too, by doing the healthy kids (laughs) running series. And then Kata, she's my little sprinter. She, she's a soccer, uh, girl. And so she enjoyed that sprinting and, you know, trying to win those races. And, and I'm excited to see, you know, what she's going to be doing in the future. I mean, I know soccer her thing, but she's interested in cross country (laughs) and, and track and things like that. So that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's, it's, it's great to see. Uh, I love the kids that they're a part of it. And yes, that's so cool. Um, and healthy kids running series. Um, I will put their link in the show notes cause they, it's a, it's a great organization. It still happens here in Western North Carolina. I'm not the helm anymore, but, um, it's just great cause you do it twice a year. That's a five week program. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's usually one day a week and, uh, it's just a series. So it's, it's great to give these kids that experience. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I know so many of the 
the kids that I coach now because <laughs> because right. of the kids. You can look back at pictures um, of Fearson yeah. with Morgan right. yep. and Bailey, yep. and it's so funny to see yeah. it. So so their other kids that are on the uh, or was team. yeah on the middle school team, which mm-hmm. is it's so cool. Um, and now even my high schoolers that I coach, it's you know I, I I had some of them in healthy kids, which is just incredible. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it is a great program. So, and it's nationwide. So that's the other cool thing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, so moving on, um, <laughs> um, you know, obviously we had to cancel 2020, yes. uh, hellbender. Um, but, um, you, you know, you, you stuck with it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Decided to do it last year in 2022. But uh, in between the cancellation and Hellbender, mm-hmm. you took on Pitchell. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some folks may know Pitchell, but why don't you describe what Pitchell is? So Pitchell is on the Mountains to Sea Trail, and it starts at Mount Pisgah at the very top of the tower, and it runs all the way to Mount Mitchell. Therefore, it's called Pitchell. And it's about 62 miles-ish. <laughs> I know, but everybody gets a different distance, 62 to 67, I think, um, with around, is it 15,000 yeah, feet 15, of elevation 16, gain? Yeah. So, and it's it's a great, um, it, you do it on your own. It's not any sort right. of race. And But the typical start time is midnight. And what's wonderful about that run is it's, it's mainly along the parkway. And so there's easy access for crew. And so it was wonderful for Jonathan because he could see me in several different places and you can pick up people to run with you so that you're not by yourself. So was this his first crewing experience? I, well, I mean, he had, I guess, crewed during the 50 K's that I did. And, um, I think, and the 50 miler, but there, so, so he did have some crewing experience, but this was definitely the longest one and pr- probably the most I, I saw him. And yeah, it's, um, I, I think I did it in September of 2020 because, because Hellbender 2020 was canceled, you know, you still have some sort of fitness built up and, and it was one, it was obviously a year that you, you were looking for things to do outdoors. And that was just a goal that I'd said, okay, you know, this is something I want to do and, you know, thinking future, this could be a qualifier for um, Hellbender in the future. So so I decided to, I just picked a random date in September and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Told my B group friends and see who could pace me. And um, do you want me to talk about Pitchell? Yeah. Okay. So Tom, <laughs> famous Tom, he, he agreed to start with me. And so we drove up there. Um, my husband drove us both up there and dropped us off. And you have to hike. I think it was a mile and a half to get up to the tower. So that's not even the start of, of the run itself. Um, but you want to get up there before midnight. And of course, as soon as midnight hit, we, we started and, you know, I didn't have any sort of goal of a, a time. I just wanted to complete it. I think my only goal, if I remember correctly, was to get done before dark the the next well, I guess it's that same day, but I, di- I didn't want to have to go back into the dark if at all possible. And he ran the first 17, 18 with me down shut in. And I knew then that my quads were going to be a problem because, oh. it, you know, it's it's mainly downhill it yeah. and it's pretty tough on your quads. Yes. And at this point, this is when I didn't have a training program. Uh-huh. I was just doing it. Uh-huh. And so my quads were already starting to hurt me by the by the bottom of shut in. And I picked up Sarah and Sean at that point. Um, 
and they ran it's kind of a rolling section to the folk art center yes and that's where i picked up um i think it was dan and barbara and wendy and they took me to oh gosh you you climb a lot that's when the real climbing starts is from folk art on right and i remember having a low point as we had just left the folk art center and there's quite a bit of climbing right away. And I remember being on one of the climbs and I just stopped and Barbara looked back at me. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think I just need to maybe eat something. And she had a tangerine in her pocket and that was like the best thing ever. (laughs) And so she gave me that and I, I just had to stand there for a few minutes and just kind of, renew myself and then I was fine that was that was my low moment I guess you would say of maybe I just needed some something to eat or whatever Um, but but after that it was pretty steady I just watched Barbara's calves going up the climbs and just kept my eye on her and you know Wendy and Dan were awesome because they're just joking around and talking about everything under the sun and (laughs) um, and then we get to I think craggy is the next kind of spot um Gosh, who did I pick up there? Tori. Was that Tori? I think it was Tori. Yes. I think she took me from there to the top. And so she was awesome. I just remember like looking at moss beds and thinking, those look really soft to lay lay down on. (laughs) Maybe I could lay down. But it took me, I finally got to the top around, I think it was 18 hours and something. So, um, you know, I was, of course, happy because it was before dark. And that was... And I really wanted to see views, but there wasn't too much, too too many views, but um, a little bit. But I was just happy to be to be done and have accomplished that. And it was great because it was right before Tori. Tori then decided to try the FKT for Pitchell. So our whole B group crew knew exactly what to do, yeah. and we we you know we basically <laughs> crewed her in the same way. So I was I was her. Uh, I followed her throughout the whole race being her car crew, like feeding her when she came in and, and changing out her bottles and doing all that stuff. And then I ran the last section with her. So, so everybody was experienced. So mine was kind of the, the practice round for her FKT. Um, And she, she got it. Yep. Yeah. We actually did an episode on that. (laughs) Yes, I know. I remember that. (laughs) So that was Tori Greaves and I'll put her episode in the notes as well. Um, So at this point, are you using poles? Yes, I did use poles um, and I needed them desperately because my my quads, I mean, just stepping down every little rock and there's a lot of those um, hurt really bad. So I'm so glad I had my poles at that point. But yes, I did use them. And when did poles come into the picture for you and your your timeline? Did you use Uh, them at any other... Uh, no, I think yeah. that was really yeah. the first time I'd used poles was, right was at Pitchell. I don't, yeah. yeah, I didn't use them at Looking Glass. Um, so yeah, that was the first time. Yeah, mm-hmm. right on. So the progression. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, this pole thing, it's, it's helpful. <laughs> um, what other changes had you made? What kind of, um, had you learned about other new things to use gear-wise or um, any anything that you brought new to because Pitchell is, is such a <laughs> such a journey. It um, is. Um, I think you know I changed my pack later on um, because that one I, I kind of learned the one no, I can't remember the brand like an Innovate brand maybe that it just bounced around a lot mm. on me and so I you know I actually learned a lot from Pitchell of um, just the different foods to have um, and. 
the fact that polls are helpful <laughs> and um, just having more space for stuff. Yeah. And also, you know, with Pitchell, again, I, I had zero goal of time except for to get done before dark. And I would just take my sweet little time at, you know, when I would see Jonathan or talking to the crew that was there <laughs> and, and so efficiency wasn't really a thing for me. So I think I, looking back, I'm going, I, I, I looked back at that going, okay, I could have done that a whole lot faster if I had just been more efficient. So I think yeah. just learning those things, sure. um, hindsight's twenty twenty, yep. And uh, even though it wasn't a goal, I, I know I could have done it faster if I'd just been more efficient. Yeah. With it. So I think just yeah. things like that. But and I, I think there's something to be said about doing those things sometimes just for the experience. Oh, um, that's, that's totally been my pitchel. Like, I, you know, I stopped for 45 minutes and had breakfast with my family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that's I what's wonderful about it. It's not a race. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have other people right. coming behind you or yep. in front of you and yeah. you just do it in your own time. Yeah, so exactly. it's wonderful. Yeah. I think sometimes we need that. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, especially on, on training runs because, you know, it, it's good to learn and to replicate race day. But at the same time, it's also good just to have an experience. You know what else I learned from Pitchell is running in the dark. Mm. I was, I was nervous about that because mm-hmm. I hadn't ever really, sure. Except for, you know, our B group runs um, on Monday nights, it goes on in the winter and it starts at 630. So you have to use a headlamp. And so I learned, um, I I did learn how to run in the dark then, but it was a lot different this time. It was from midnight and for a long time. time. And so I remember being really nervous and I got, um, I got a waist lamp Mm -hmm. that's really great. And it was super bright because, (laughs) you know, I'm getting old and I don't see quite as well. And I realized that my headlamp, it just, there's some depth perception issues when I wear just the headlamp. So the waist lamp came into play then, and that was a wonderful, um, addition. And, but I really enjoyed the night run with Tom and it went by really fast. And I think it's because you can't see really what's around you. So you don't, it's almost like you don't feel the climbs as much because you can't see the top and, and you're just kind of going and you're in this tunnel vision and I actually really enjoyed it. So at that point I learned, okay, I really Uh, like night running. So uh, we were, when we were doing my pitchel, uh, we, we did the midnight start and we're coming through uh, round sleepy gap. Mm -hmm. Um, so on that first section and, um, we heard some movement to the left and all of us panned our headlights. I still had my spray from my waist belt, but we, we all panned left. There's three of us and there was a bear Oh gosh! <laughs> just kind of sitting there and it, it looked at us like, what the heck are you guys doing? You know, like <laughs> who's out here this yeah. time of night. <laughs> so we moved a little quicker down a sleepy cap, but I'll never forget, you know, just all of us turning our headlamps at the same time and, you know, <laughs> seeing, like, this bear. Yeah, seeing this bear and we're like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Fortunately um, we didn't have, I didn't have any critters. Oh, well th- this morning on my run, you know, I'm, I'm running and I caught an, an eye glare with my headlamp and I was like, you know, oh, it's probably a possum. It was a skunk. It was a skunk. <laughs> was a skunk. And he's looking straight at me. You know, so thankfully the rear end was pointed yeah. the opposite mm-hmm. direction, but he's looking straight at me with the tail up. And I was like, I'm going to keep moving. And as, as I keep going past it to, you know, make sure I'm not sprayed, one runs right in front of me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You're like, surrounded <laughs> by skunks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you didn't uh, get sprayed. Uh, no. Okay. No, no. That's it was good. A, uh, thankfully, uneventful morning. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I've never seen a skunk. So. Oh, they uh, they oh. live at the farm. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. They are at the farm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Pitchell is an amazing experience. Yes, and, um, highly I, I, recommend it. Yes, um, it's it's so cool, um, and I think that's become something more of a, 
everybody's kind of goal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one being perhaps Art Lobe, you know, doing the Art Lobe trail, um, the other being Pitchell in mm-hmm. our area, especially, um, or completing shut in, you know, right. there's, there's so many cool things in this area, which we are so fortunate to, um, which brings us to Hellbender. Yes. <laughs> um, you finally got to do Hellbender. You finally mm-hmm. got the lineup. Um, so, um, you know, as you said, for Pitchell, you hadn't really had a training plan, but for Hellbender, it sounds like you found a, a plan to do. Yes. Um, and was that more like mileage based? What kind of plan are we looking at? So after Pitchell and the way my quads were destroyed, I thought, okay, you have got to do something a little bit more consistent. And when I signed up that November for Hellbender, I just, um, like I said before, I searched online you know, is there a hundred mile training program (laughs) that's free out there? And I found one and, you know, I started looking at it and I I really liked it because, you know, it wasn't running every day, you Mm. know, you had a few rest days. And so I wouldn't necessarily follow it by the book. Um, if, if I couldn't, if I couldn't rest on Monday and I needed to run on Monday, I'd rest on another day. You know, I just would, I would do the mileage that it said, um, or the time it was based on. So most of it was, it would give you mileage, okay. but then um, the last day it was usually back to back, and they would just give you hours to run. So, mm-hmm. like you know, run for three and a half hours or whatever it was, yeah. and so it, it was kind of a combination. Um, and I just felt it, it didn't have any sort of okay, you know, you need to climb this amount um, or anything like that, sure, because it's just a general plan. Yeah. But I knew that going into Hellbender is going to be very climby. And so I, I started adding more of that in as we as we got closer to to Hellbender. That's but perfect. I just I really enjoyed the flexibility of it. And and it would it would progress. It would build up your miles for about three weeks and then it would have a down week and not as many miles. And then it would build back up again and then have a down week. And the, the longest run um, it had you do was a 50 mile. Uh, okay. And so... So that was great. It was a nice goal to have. And at that point, Sarah was also doing Hellbender and Tori was too. Mm -hmm. And so we would, we would run together a lot. And, um, Sarah and I did, um, fortunately you're, you were coaching her and it just happened to work out to where her 50 K and her 50 miler were were on the same days I was doing those things. So we were able to do those um, together, which was awesome training with her. So and how much training did you get in on the course? Oh, um, I tried to get out there as much as I could. And it's, you know, it's about an hour from my house. It's a drive. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. It's a drive. Yeah. Um, even though it's here and it's local. But I did the, I definitely did the 50K um, training run and the 50 miler on the course. Nice. And so that really gave me an idea of how long it might take yeah. for certain sections. Cause we, we tried to do it in an order that we were going to be doing on the course and also just being able to visualize it and, and on race day of like, you knew exactly what you were, what you were heading towards. Right. And I, the only section I had not been on during my training was, um, Jarrett Creek road. So that was the only section I didn't know. So it was just nice knowing yeah. the course. Uh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Um, Anything during training um, that you were like, you know, questioning, like, <laughs> you know, um, you always have those moments. I mean, I, my training re- for for Hellbender went really well. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any sicknesses or anything like that that stopped me. It didn't have any injuries, so 
uh, felt really good during all the training. Um, but there's a, those days where I would run, I mean, even if it was a 10 miler and you would feel horrible and, <laughs> and be like, how in the world am I going to do a hundred miles? I remember just a couple weeks before Hellbender, I ran with Tom, Tom, you're mentioned a lot in this. Um, <laughs> but we, it was a hot day and you know, it, the race is in May. Yeah. And so, so the weather's starting to get warm and you know, those first warm weather days are just hard. Yes. And and I think I was supposed to do like a 15 miler and we were on the mountains to sea trail and I think I, we ended up, I ended up doing 13. I could not, I was, I felt miserable and that really worried me for, for the race because like, if I feel miserable doing 13 in any sort of heat, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. So, so there were those times, but I think you're just, for me, it, it's when I start a run, if it's a 50 K or a 50 miler or, or even the hundred, it's like you, your mind says, okay, this is what I have to do today. And even though, you know, after your 50 mile training run, you can't imagine doing 50 more, <laughs> but you were, you were able to do 50. And it's because your mind that day said, I've got to do 50. Yeah. And I don't know how that works, but <laughs> yeah. it's so bizarre to me. It so is. it is absolutely. Uh, it's, it's so crazy that we can double the distance. Yes. You know, and it's, it's, you know, it's all part of us and capable. Right. It's, it's so weird, but um, and so it sounds like training went really well. It did. Um, yeah. and, um, I remember seeing you at, at you know, pack pickup and the yes. excitement and, mm-hmm. uh, and Jonathan was there. Um, the kids weren't there that morning yet. They came later. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, you know, one of the challenges I think of hellbender is because of, um, <laughs> so many locals doing it mm-hmm. and so many locals volunteering, it could be tough to put together uh, a crew in Pacers. Did you have any problems with that? No, not really. I think um, I think they they all knew. Okay, you know, Sarah and Tara are going to be doing Hellbender, so we can't volunteer. We have to be there to pace them. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I think they already had that in mind, yeah. and so it wasn't a struggle to yeah. to find those people because they knew that that was our goal. That's great. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, you also had a, a magnificent why on this race. Mm-hmm. Can you touch on that? Sure. I mean, before, when I first signed up for the race, you know, my why was really, um, it's a local race. It's, it's here in my mountains and Aaron's the race director. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was one huge thing. You know, when you weren't going to be the race director, um, the year before I was like, well, I, you know what the appeal wasn't there as much. And it's just because you love your runners so much and you don't care if they're first or last, you love every single one. And, and that's, you know, that's huge. And yeah, it's, you know, it, it is. And so, so those were my whys at that point. And just to be able to go to these places that you can't get to by car and, you can't get to by a regular hike. You know, you, you have to be able to just run these distances to see the things that we get to see. And so those were my whys at that point. But about, um, a few months before my friend Lisa, who was one of my pacers, she, uh, called me and told me that she had breast cancer. She had just been diagnosed and I might get teary just talking about it right Uh, here. Um, Got some tissues. <laughs> Which was a really hard thing to hear. <laughs> Thank you. He's giving me tissues. Um, <laughs> you would think I would be over this by now. Um, but that was, uh, she's a dear friend. And um, 
she's so young in her you know mid thirties, three little boys and. So I decided at that point, because she is not one that will ask for one thing. Um, and so I didn't tell her, but I, I started a GoFundMe and basically said, you know, I'm going to run this race and you can sponsor my race, you know, by giving money towards Lisa and Matthew and their family. Um, you know, I'm going to run this for them. And so I started that GoFundMe and, you know, I thought nobody's going to you know, I might get a few hundred dollars. And then by the end, we got like 7,500 or somewhere around there. It was crazy. I mean, it just blew me away the the support that that she had. And um, you were very gracious to let her come and see me at one of the so she she came and saw me during the Curtis Creek aid station, the first one, and you're not allowed to have crew. But I had told Aaron beforehand, I said, you know, she might be able to make it just for a brief, like, visit. And you were like, it's totally fine. She, <laughs> she's not going to give me any food or crew me at any any time. But she she actually barely made it there. She I was running up Curtis Creek Road to, to get to the aid station. And she and her mom pull in beside me, like, driving up the road. Oh. And, and so she jumped out and gave me a big old hug. And it was, <laughs> uh, it was just awesome. That was an awesome moment for me. But she was definitely became my why. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's doing really well now. So that's wonderful. And mm-hmm. she was at cruel jewels. Yes. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so hellbender was amazing. Um, you yes. had a, a, again, one of those unassuming runs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> where you had no clue where you were. <laughs> no, no. Uh, which is awesome. I, I love the fact that you're just concentrated on the race and the experience in the moment. Yeah. Um, was there any time during this where you experienced, um, you know, more so, um, you know, not just the, the runner's high, but like, um, maybe a, a spiritual experience because, mm. um, I, I can think of times where, you know, I get into a race and even if I have a pacer with me, I may just zone out. I mm-hmm. may find just this flow moment in which I feel so much more um, than just what I'm doing at the moment. i you know, I kind of feel connected with everything around me. Uh-huh. Um, did you have any experience like that? Gosh, you know, I, looking back, it was, it was kind of the whole thing was, um, just, it, it was a spiritual experience because, you know, my, my go-to verse is I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And that's, you know, these are big mountains. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I thought about that often. And of course, seeing Lisa, um, at that Curtis Creek aid station, it's right before you go up Snook's Nose. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I flew up Snook's Nose <laughs> because I think I knew what was coming and I was almost dreading. I was like, okay, this is gonna be really hard. But after seeing her and it just reminded me of why I was out there and, I just felt so good going up Snooks and so excited to be out there. And again, I had no clue where I was <laughs> in the in the race. I, you know, I I literally thought it was mid pack or you know towards the back of the pack because I didn't I couldn't even tell where I started. It was pouring rain when it when it started, <laughs> and all you see is rain and headlamps. And so you know, at that point, to get up at the top of Snooks and hear that I was third female, you know, <laughs> that was already a crazy. I was already having a crazy fun experience going up Snooks, but then to hear that, I'm like, oh gosh, oh no, no, you know, not going to go chasing anybody, but, but it was fun to hear. But I think just the whole, 
the whole experience because you see so many people, you know, you know, got to see Tori crossing the the parkway and, and she saw her several times and then seeing Hannah and Dan and the the crew for, um, for Sarah. And, you know, you're just, you're seeing all these people that you love. And so the whole thing for me was so, so fun. Um, and there was so many of those pick me up moments that it was hard to have a low because the minute you might think you would have a low, you would see somebody you knew. And so that was, it was just such a, it was a wonderful race and it was horrible weather. Um, (laughs) but, but it almost made it more epic, um, because you're getting through these hard things. So, so, um, you know, top of Snooks is probably maybe 26, miles in you know so maybe yeah. like a marathon mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and you hear you're in third place right um, <laughs> sam <laughs> oh shame on sam it was yeah. him he told me <laughs> and sam has been on the podcast too mm-hmm. um so um top of the climb does this distract you or take you out of the moment no i because i because that wasn't a goal of mine mm. to, to be anywhere in the top. Sure. I just, my goal that year was to finish, um, under 30 hours. I think, uh, yeah, if I remember correctly, that was my goal it was like, I would love to finish that it would just be so great if I could get under 30 hours. So when he told me that I'm a very, I'm a competitive person to begin with, but, um, it was so unexpected that the two girls I was running with before mm. were first and second. It just, it blew my mind, but I, I had to stop myself and say, you've got so long in this race, anything can happen. And that's not your goal. That's not why you're out here. So just, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't go any faster. Don't go any slower. You know, just, just do what you're doing. Enjoy this experience. And so, no, I try, I tried not to let that, um, get in my mind until I didn't really start believing it until I was going on Jarrett Creek and then you couldn't help it. And then I just kept thinking I was going to get past you know, oh. right at the end. <laughs> so, which had been really sad at that point, but yeah, but you didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. You're right. You arrived at the finish line in third place female, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so, um, you know, having this whole buildup, you know, we're talking, you know, the, from 20, 2019 you mm-hmm. know to to this point 2022 mm-hmm. um describe that emotion crossing the finish line oh i don't know it's, it's hard to describe you know i couldn't wait to get that hug from you because <laughs> i knew that was the end you know it's like if i can cross the finish line get the hug because you hug every runner and get the belt buckle but it was you know my my dad was there my mom's taking care of my dog so he was able to to come and and you know of course Jonathan's there and then my brother completely surprised me and his <laughs> wife by coming and they they were taking care of Nash and so he was there and and my friend Kimmy was there and it was just like wow you know all these people and <laughs> the fact that I could run at that point because that last little trail um I don't know what happened but it's like I forgot any sort of pain and just ran <laughs> and and it was just an epic moment because you know, you know, you've completed this goal yep. and it was a super hard year yeah. with the weather yep. and, and you know, to have all those people surrounding you and knowing all the support that you've had, yep. it was, you know, there's nothing that really can describe it. And <laughs> people are like, you just get a belt buckle, but <laughs> but it's, it's not about the belt buckle. It's just about accomplishing something like that. It's and what pretty... that belt buckle reminds you of. Exactly. Yeah. What you went through. Yep. 
And then I got a little salamander. You know, yes. I got a little hellbender wooden yeah. from Mark. Yeah. yeah, that was great. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that has to. I mean, that has to give you some confidence and reassurance that you know you can do this sort of thing. Right. Um, so, how did cruel Joel come to the picture? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, of course, after Hellbender, I thought, you know, I don't know that I'll ever do another one. Sure. And people would say, you know, are you going to do Hellbender again? I'm like, no. You know, it went it went really well, and I'm <laughs> scared to do it again um, because I made it. You know, um, but then of course that bug just starts, you know, nagging at you to, <laughs> to to try something to see if you can do it again. Sure. And um, you know, I had I had a little bit of knee issues all of a sudden, which I've never had knee issues, but I think it was like runner's knee. But I just. Um, and just like weird aches and pains after that. Um, so I thought, gosh, I don't, you know, I, I almost wasn't motivated to really run mm-hmm. much. I didn't have anything in the future um, to, to look forward to. And I've found that I'm one that I need to sign up for something um, and have a goal or not necessarily sign up for something, but have a goal to look forward to. And so I knew, okay, you know, you need to have a goal, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed a spring race because that's the easiest time for me to train because it's cold and Jonathan can be on the trainer and not worry about going out on his bike in the winter. And, um, you know, the kids are in school. It's not summertime. I'm not training during summer. And so it's just an easier time. And so I looked for a spring race, but also one that was close enough to where I could have pacers come and meet me where it wouldn't be too hard on, on Jonathan to, to, to go. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I didn't want a flat one. Right. Um, so that didn't appeal to me. So Cruel Jewel kind of fit all those. I mean, yes, it's three hours away, but that wasn't too bad. And I knew people might be willing to drive that far. But I also kind of told myself, they might not be able to come. You, you might not have any pacers. Are you okay with that? And I think as long as I have my crew, I, I was like, okay, I can try this. So that's why I signed up for Cruel Jewel. Um, and, you know, didn't really know what to expect, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had, uh, Jonathan Ibach had done it, Tori had done the 50 miler. So I had a few reference points. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was wacky, not knowing anything about, you know, any of those trails. Right. Whatsoever. Right. Well, and of course the, the course changed this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, going into this, you had such a powerful why for hellbender. Mm-hmm. What was your why going into this one? It kind of went back to my original why for Hellbender, um, just being able to explore these trails um, and go places that, I'm, you know, at this time I've never been mm-hmm. and um, being able to do things that I can't do, you know, I can only do my feet yep. and just enjoy creation. And if I'm able to do it, if my body is still okay, then why not? You know, why not try something that, you know, to see what I can do. Sure. And so the, all those were kind of my whys and it's not necessarily one thing, but just, just the experience and, and to, to go and try it. So do your kids ever have any influence over your why? Oh, well, they're always great and encouraging. I mean, sometimes, you know what, (laughs) I remember what I talked about signing up for another hundred. They're like, mommy, you know, <laughs> are you sure? I don't know. You know, they were, they were a little bit worried about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. especially when I signed up for help for the first time, but 
you know, they're, they're so encouraging and I think they get excited, um, to, to follow along and see how I do. And so, you know, they're always supportive. So just to have their support is great. And Jonathan, you know, he doesn't even blink an eye. He's just like, sure, let's do it. You know? <laughs> and cause I worry about, you know, my burdening, uh, him, you know, is he's going to have to, you know, he's a worship pastor at church. So he's going to have to take off on a Sunday and, but there was no problem. So, <laughs> and the decision was made to bring Kata to this one, your youngest. Yes. Um, you know, talk about what went into that decision. She, um, she really just wanted to be with us. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just thinking about spending the night at a friend's house for a couple nights, uh, and not knowing where we were and what we were doing, I think it kind of bothered her. And, and she thought, well, and Jonathan said, you can come with us. It's fine. You know, we, we can bring at least one, you know, we have enough room in the car with all the stuff for one. And the other two were so excited to stay with their friends. <laughs> and, um, but, but Kate is just, I think she just really wanted to make sure we were okay. Yeah. And so that's why she decided to come along. Did you have a conversation with her about what she may see or, what to expect. Um, uh, you know, we, she's, she saw the Hellbender video. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, we talked about what went on at Hellbender so much that she had a little bit of an idea. Um, I did tell her, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be like, you know, um, I'm going to be tired. You're going to be tired. Yeah. You know, this, who knows what you're going to see, <laughs> but you know, I'll be okay. Yep. And, and, and she, she seemed okay with that. So right on. Yeah. I think just the, the unknown was kind of exciting for her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like showing my kids, you know, that we can face adversity, yes. um, you know, and, and at times there's, you know, too much adversity, like well, cruel jewel for me, I DNF'd, um, mm. and it was 2019 and I, like you cramped up early, mm. but I couldn't get past the cramps. My mm. legs just gave out and like my wife pulled me cause she's like, oh. you're not you know, you're not improving. We've, we've taken, you know, two aid stations to try to stop the cramps and they're not, you know, they Just weren't in your legs. Yeah. Oh, and wow. it was early 16 miles. I started cramping oh, for wow. whatever reason. I got to the aid station at 19. I think it was at the time mm-hmm. we started at Vogel that year. Um, and I was already cramping pretty bad and I stayed there for about an hour and a half trying to get these cramps to stop. They kind of calmed down, but then in the next session I had full seizure and they had oh, to come wow. help me get off the the trail because I couldn't walk and they were still in full seas by the time we got to the aid station. I just couldn't, you know, and we stayed there for a while trying to, again, trying to get them to, to release. And the kids, you know, they saw all this, they saw me, you know, the, my legs just go going tense and I, you know, I hate that they saw me in pain. Um, but it, it shows them, you know, like we do face adversity sometimes and right. sometimes things don't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love giving them those experiences and I tell them, I said, you know, you're going to see me in pain. You may see me cry. <laughs> like, right. These are hard times. <laughs> right. But, uh, I think it gives them experiences that, you know, they may not see otherwise, you know, like how often do they get to see, true struggle, you know, true pain. Like it's it's something that I think really I value highly about ultras is giving them this experience, not only of, of watching me, but giving them the experience of being outdoors and seeing like, you know, these magnificent places. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're a huge part of my why. And that's why, you know, I I ask about it, but, um, you know, having the kids there to crew is just another uh, amazing thing. Like it's something to look forward to, you know, each aid station and stuff. So I, I enjoy that. 
because you know as i was just saying you cramped early yes um mm-hmm. so and it sounded like you were questioning your your, yes. your life choices yes um, talk about that so um the you know it was about 75 or somewhere around there degrees but um you know when you're running and climbing so much as mm-hmm. you're climbing in yes. cruel jewel it's hot and um, maybe that was a factor but around I'd seen Jonathan and Kata around 19 and I was okay at that point. Um, but as soon as I left them and I think it went to an immediate climb after that, I just, I just started just feeling not so good. Um, it wasn't my stomach or anything like that, but, um, my, all of a sudden I started getting Charlie horses in my, um, hamstrings and in my quads. And I think that initial, uh, cramping caused my mind to say, how in the world are you going to do this? You're only at mile 20 something and you've got, you know, more than a hundred to do. Right. Um, and so much more climbing. There's, there's no way you can make it. And it's like that initial thought, that initial negative thought then, <laughs> you know, spirals into many other negative thoughts. And, you know, I was thinking about, okay, I've got to tell Jonathan to call the pacers, tell him not to travel here. Um, you know, I, I contemplated how can I hurt myself to where, um, I have a good excuse, which is a insane thought. Um, but your thoughts in those (laughs) races are like, what, Why, why am I thinking this? And, and, you know, I knew the whole time, like, this is not normal. Um, you know, you don't need to be feeling this way and this is a low, but, even though you, it's like you have an angel and a demon on your shoulders <laughs> and like one is telling you you're going to get through this. And the other one's like, no, you know, this, how can you get through this? Because you're, you, you literally think I'm not going to come out of this. And yeah, it was, a, it, I would just slowed down and, you know, I could hear people coming up behind me and, and I would just kind of stand to the side and let them pass. And I, I remember just looking at some of them going, wow, they look so happy and strong <laughs> and I do not feel that way. And, um, yeah, it was a weird yeah. because I didn't have a low in hellbender. Mm-hmm. So this was my first mm-hmm. real experience of that. And I'm so glad I was able to come out of that because you can look back at that and go, okay, if that happens again, right. I know I can get out of it. Exactly. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. So uh, talk about how you got out of it. Um, I think, first of all, I needed to cool off and I had a buff in my pack. And so I pulled that out and told Kata and, you know, soak this, get it really wet. Um, They wet my hat and I threw that on. And I just remember Jonathan thinking, you know, he told me later, he's like, I I was never hot. And, you know, I kept on my long pants and like, it's so hard for me to understand how everybody was getting so hot. And like, it's, totally different experience but um so i I wiped my face i cooled off i grabbed a little like a cashew bar from nature valley and um i took a salt pill and i'd never done that before because it wasn't part of my training but i had just interviewed jonathan eibach and he had talked about these salt pills and how they help with heat stress and cramps and i'm like i'll try it and i remember jonathan just being really worried of of like okay you have never taken these and uh i'm worried about what it'll do to your stomach you know we didn't know anything about them sure um, but I was, I, I was determined to do whatever. And so I took that and it was not long after I'd left that aid station. I ate the, the bar and 
I was able to swish it down with some water and just tried to really eat as many calories as I could and, and drink. Um, and it just came out of it. It was, it was weird. There wasn't a moment where I was like, Oh, I'm out of it. I just, it was almost like a realization as I was coming out of it, Mm -hmm. that I was coming out of it. (laughs) And just cause I, I, my spirits lifted, I wasn't cramping anymore, which is, you know, amazing. (laughs) And, um, you know, unlike your experience where you kept cramping, I, it's like that just went away, Good. which was something I didn't think could happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, after that, I, it was, it was great. And so, I, I at least had a good attitude through the whole thing. So that was nice. <laughs> so after cruel jewel, uh, 2019, I went to UTMB and, um, I had just gotten out of Italy and into Switzerland and there was a half marathon down a mountain and I blew my quads um, yeah, they were shot. I was like, I couldn't run a step. <laughs> what, what mile was this? Um, so that's, uh, let's see, uh, about, I guess like 60 ish. <laughs> so okay. I still had a long way to go. Um, and, um, it, like, you know, I knew I could keep walking and mm-hmm. finish. And that was my, you know, my plan was like, I need to finish. So I called Beth and I said, I'm going to take a little while because uh, I, I didn't I'm, see them until Champé-Lac, which I think was like 65, if I remember correctly. Um, so still 35 miles to go by the time I saw them. So oh, I was wow. probably maybe in the 50s when I called. And I hear Keegan in the background, oh, no, he's cramping up. He's not going to make it. And I said, put me on speaker. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and I said, I'm fine. I'm not cramping. I'm just, my my legs are shot. You know, I, I just can't run right now. It's, mm-hmm. You know, I've just, I've, you know, I, I went too hard. Because um, I was pushing. I really was. I was pushing. I pushed through 50 miles hard. And then, you know, I, I ran hard down that, that you know, that descent. And, uh, I said, no, it's, this is different. Like, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be to you guys and I'm going to keep going. Like, even if I have to hike, which right. <laughs> ended up being you had to mostly hike. <laughs> a hike, yeah. which, you know, it was what it was, but you know, it's, it's amazing what we can put ourselves through, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, just looking back, you know, again, like, you know, less for the kids, it's like, you know, yeah, we're, we're facing this adversity and, you know, this is hard, but, we're going to keep moving forward, and, right. you know, and problem solving and trying to, you know, cause the other thing was I really hadn't had a meal and we had oh. been racing for over 24 hours. And like I had, cause UTMB is kind of weird in that regard. We, they don't really have a lot of like sustenance food. There was some at the Cormier about halfway, but aside from that, it's just like, you know, and there was all pasta, which like I can't eat pasta. <laughs> so that's a problem. Um, yeah. So, um, Beth had to buy food and bring it to the aid station for me. Cause like, it, like there still wasn't anything. So wasn't there like cheese, just cheese, uh, it's just and, cheese and sometimes and... like, yeah, some, some okay. yeah, like, you know, so ham or salami or so different yeah, from it's, it's definitely different mm-hmm. and not what I wanted, <laughs> right? you know? So, um, you know, we got into that aid station and I took some extra time. And that's kind of what you're saying is just, you know, taking what you need to do to, to keep moving forward. Right. And, you know, I, I ate, I ate actually two meals. <laughs> I had her buy two because <laughs> I was starving. <laughs> um, and she massaged out my legs, you know, um, just like trying to get me moving. And I, like to, you know, to her credit, I, I felt good to get going again. I, I could jog a little bit. But that course is so relentless. So, you mm-hmm. know, you'd hit a climb. And then as soon as you started running down hills, the, the quads again, it was yes. just like, oh, you know. So, um, you know, lesson learned. Like, you know, go out easier, especially right. in a mountain race like that. 
Uh, I don't know what happened at Cruel Jewel. I honestly don't. Like, yes. you know, I, I don't know if my electrolytes were just off from the start, but, um, it, it, you know, when we started, I think it was 86 degrees at our start, uh, which wow. is Cruel Jewel is a, you know, as you talked about in your podcast, 12 p.m. start. It's a weird time to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, UTMB was a 6 p.m. start. I think the cruelest start is a midnight start. <laughs> um, but um, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's really tough when, you know, you're in these conditions and um, trying to figure out what's going on and why right. is it going this way. Um, but it's amazing that you made it through it. Yes. Um, so talk about, you know, moving forward from there. You've, you know, you've, the cramps have abated. And- yes. So, <laughs> and it, it was great having Kata there too, because like you said, she, your kids see, see you go through something. Mm-hmm. And, and so she immediately was worried, you know, when she saw me, because yeah. I was a zombie when I came into that. And I remember even thinking, like looking at them, not responding to their questions and thinking, I'm just staring at, at them. I'm not responding. Like I, I was a w- highly aware that I was a zombie, but yet I was still a zombie. It was so strange. <laughs> but, you know, after leaving there, I, I, of course, you don't want your kids to worry about you. Right. And and so I think that, you know, like you said, your, your kids are more of a motivator than you think. You know, yes. my other two are at home, but I know they're watching and I know they're following the live stream. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you want to push through for them, too. And, um, I knew I'd see Kate the next time. And so I was really happy to come into that next aid station and let them know I was okay and <laughs> gave them a smile and they immediately knew I was all right. And, <laughs> and I know that they really prayed for me, uh, during that whole hour and a half or whatever it took <laughs> to get to the next aid. But it was, it was great that I got to see them that soon because the, the aid stations are really close together in that, in this race, yeah. um, and so I saw them two more times after that and uh, before there was kind of a longer stint. So so felt good. Um, and this is just a relentless up and down race. <laughs> yes. And not not knowing what to expect. I never knew what was around the next corner. Um, never knew how steep the next climb was. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not very good at studying the elevation guides and the things. Yes, I looked at them, but... I, I couldn't remember a thing. And I sure. thought, oh, I'll have them on my phone to where I can see what is coming up next. And I didn't even want to pull out my phone, you know, to, to go through the energy of doing that. So, but there's something also good about not knowing yes. um, and just sure. being in the moment and see what comes at you. So I think it made it, I remember thinking this is harder than Hellbender. And I think it was harder than Hellbender. I mean, yes, there's more elevation gain, but I think also not knowing the course, sure. not knowing the people out there yep. and not having that same environment made right. it, made it harder. And, um, there's a road section. Uh, I don't even remember which mile it is, but that, that was also weird because you're running on this road for, it feels like a long time yeah. and you're looking around going, okay, I have to run this again on the way back. And you know, every time I would climb up something, I'd be like, okay, what's that going to feel like on the way back or, <laughs> or going down something. So it's just a different yeah. world. Um, but eventually, you know, you're, I don't get to see them again until like mile 49 or something. And I I'd grabbed my waistlamp at the last aid station with them and I knew I had to run the section in the dark by myself and which I'd I'd never done I'd never run in the dark by myself Mm -hmm. um even on training runs I just don't feel safe you know and uh, so this was going to be a new experience but I wasn't 
I wasn't that nervous. Um, I think my kids were more nervous, but, um, and I did not tell my mother that I was going to have to do that either (laughs) (laughs) before the race. Um, she would not have been happy, but, uh, it was fine. You know, I just, uh, popped in my headphones and listened to some things. And, um, I think what was neat about the night is it was also horrible, but you would look up and I would see these headlamps, but they were way up in the sky. And you're like, oh, I have to go up there. They're way up there. And it looked like stars. So, you know, that was the only perspective I had of how far you had to climb. Sure. And and I had the dragon spine. So this year, the course changed and the dragon spine, you, you do that, the Duncan Ridge Trail back to back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go over that to get to Wolf Creek and then um, you have to turn around and just do it again. So I don't know which one's harder, which, which race, but I was kind of glad to get it over with all smack sure. dab in the middle. Um, but that was definitely hard. But again, my attitude was, was fine. And as, as long as I was mentally okay, then, then I felt fine. And yes, I could feel it in my quads and, but they weren't shot, which I felt good about. And my calves during Hellbender really got shot and I didn't feel that. So that made me happy too. Um, but it was, what was neat is going down into Wolf Creek. You're seeing it's the first time I kind of got an idea of maybe where I was mm. in the pack because people are turning around and they're going back the other way. Right. So you see the first place guy who was just hammering. <laughs> I'm like, how does he do that? You know? <laughs> and then I see Shannon, the first female and, um, I knew from the beginning when I met her, I was like, she's going to be strong. You know, you just get that feeling about, and she was just cruising. And I was really happy to to see her um, just because I talked with her in the beginning. Sure. Um, I'd never met her before. But um, so, I, I, you know, I saw at least another female come through, um, but I still didn't quite know because it's dark. You know, you don't, you're not really paying that much of attention. You don't know who's passing you when you're at an aid station. And so when I get down to, to Jonathan, they don't say a word. They know better not to tell me where I am in the pack because they don't want that to get in my head. Right. And um, you have to do this little out and back. And um, so I get to see them again when I come back from that. And I get to pick up my first pacer at that point. And that was her name's Laura Dykes. And she is just funny and so strong and uh you know she just kept the stories rolling it was just nice to have someone with me and also to experience these trails with me like you want to witness that (laughs) you want to be like you tell them what it was like you know because it's really hard (laughs) and you know i laugh because it's almost like you know i feel i feel like around here with the hellbender course or it's like they know how to build trails. You know, there's switchbacks or, except for Snook's Nose. But, um, and it's, we've got people like Victor and Kendall that just, they clear the trail and they make it so nice. And there is none of that. They try to make it as cruel as possible. And the Duncan Ridge Trail is just full of, I mean, it's grown over too. And you're, I've got so much poison ivy on my legs oh. right now because, you know, there's, it's not clear. And yeah. I, I didn't expect that. Um, I guess I just thought that, uh, even though it was up and down and up and down that it would still be kind of smoother trail, but, but it was so grown over in so many spots that I was searching for flags of, am I still on a course? Is this a trail? So that was slower than I thought, like that whole section, both sure. out and back. I was like, okay but at least I knew what to expect on my way back. 
um, I know I'm just talking a lot about it, but, uh, (laughs) but it was, yeah, the, the poison ivy is the, the fun, um, after effect effect of this, (laughs) but, but, you know, I knew once I got through Duncan Ridge trail, which was how far, um, so with it being back to back with each other, I think it's probably from, it's about 30 miles in the smack dab middle of the race. Okay. So, uh, well, more than that, um, of that trail and it's, right before you, you know, get to Wolf Creek, which is around mile 50. So, um, whatever that is, I don't know. My brain's yeah. It's about 17 miles of, of not seeing your pacer or your crew and then another 17 going back. Um, and it's all kind of on that trail from what I understand. I wasn't paying attention to names (laughs) of trails, but I just knew that I think I'm on the dragon spine (laughs) and, you know, just look, remembering somewhat of the course. Um, that's the section I was on. So I knew once I got through that, I'm like, okay, if I can just get through this, um, and then it became, you know, the light, the sun came up and, um, I knew that, that, okay, that hardest section was over. So that was nice to have that done. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, was that the same pacer all the way through there, Laura? Yeah, Laura. Yeah, because you you can't pick up another pacer that you don't see your crew. So she, you know, I had to make sure it's like somebody that was, you know, she's very strong and was and thirty four miles is that she was with me for just seventeen. 17 but okay. but you know, the first time you go over Dragon's Spot, you're by yourself, right? Um, and then then you could pick a pacer for about seventeen miles, okay. and then uh, you can pick up another one. And mine was her husband Evan. Okay, and. Uh, that's actually where we passed a female. So Laura and I were coming down to the A station to where we finally got to see the crew. And I saw um, the, what I knew at that point was a second place female. Mm. And I just remember, because she was probably an hour and a half ahead of me, Jonathan said, you know, at you know, after the fact. Sure. He was, you know, she was cruising and about an hour and a half ahead of me. So he was really surprised when we came in, even though she was right behind us, she came in. Um, and then she kept going up the trail while I was at the aid station. And I, I remember like Matthew said something about chasing second place. I'm like, Nope, Nope, not a goal. You know, I'm not going to do it. You know, just, and I even told my pacers that I'm like, I'm not chase. I don't want to be chasing anybody and right. I don't want to feel like I'm being chased. Right. You know, it's a, yep. it's not a good feeling nope. and I just want to yes. do my own thing. Yep. And that's what, you know, even with Evan, we, we ended up passing her at the top um, of a climb, but, um, and I think she, honestly, that, that particular girl uh, ended up dropping out. So, mm-hmm. um, about like mile 70 something, but that's, that's a good lesson for pacers. Um, uh, yeah. in Bigfoot. Uh, last year, Morgan was my last pacer, last 13 <laughs> miles. And for anybody that knows Morgan, he is spry. He's <laughs> an awesome human being. <laughs> so fast. But he is like, hey, Aaron, you know, like there's nobody behind you, but 10th place is right in front of you, like by five minutes. He's like, go, yeah, we, we can, we can do this. And I'm like, dude, I am, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy I'm where happy I am. In 11th. <laughs> right. like, at this point, I just want to finish. And he's like, come on, we can see if we can get him. And I'm like, you know, like I'll give it a mile and see how it goes. But you know, I, I, we went from like an 1130 mile to a 1030 mile. And I was like, Nope. This is much like <laughs> you need to tie yeah, a rope around Morgan. Yeah, and yeah, just... <laughs> I, know, right? just, I was like, Hey, just like siphon some of your energy over here. Cause like I, at this point. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to encourage your runner as a pacer, but you know, at the same time, like you can challenge them, but if they're pushing back, understand there's a reason. <laughs> yes. They don't feel like they 
can either go any faster <laughs> yeah. or that's just not a goal. Yeah. So no, exactly. my pacers were, were great. And I told them everyone I picked up was like, okay, I'm not going to talk to you on the uphills, <laughs> but we can continue our stories on the flats and downhills <laughs> because I would just breathe through the uphills and, and, uh, you know, I just remember just kind of breathing really funny. I was like, <laughs> every, every, every climb. And then, yeah, I would just get one, like, I would be able to say one word answers, but then I eventually said, okay, just, I yep. can, and then I was fine once I hit the top and, and you just, I just had to breathe through all those climbs and, <laughs> but they were, they were great about that. And also being on top of, Okay, have you have you eaten? Have you had any water? Are you taking your salt pills? You know, <laughs> just those things. They were great. That's awesome. So, and after Evan, so yeah, Evan ran eleven miles with me. Um, you could have picked up a pacer in the middle of there, mm-hmm. uh, but he continued on, and um, I think he wanted to continue on if he could. But <laughs> then I picked up Lisa. So Lisa was, you know, the, the one I talked about for Hellbender. Right. She wanted to redeem herself, and <laughs> she's like, I feel, you know, last year was such a horrible time, and her husband actually ended up pacing me at Hellbender, but um, she wanted to come back and and you know, be that person and be there. And Matthew was there with their kids and, um, it was awesome just to be able to pick her up and her section was kind of that road section. Mm-hmm. So she was sad that she didn't get to run many trails, but she was at least happy to be out there. And so that was, that was a fun, I was actually dreading that road coming back, but I think just having her there and the fact that it was mainly uphill where I wasn't going to run anyway. Mm. Um, I didn't feel that pressure to, to run. Um, it just felt good just to power hike up that and, you know, talk with some other runners and, and just be there with her. And yeah, it was a, it was a great moment for, for me to, it was a short amount of time. It was only about six miles, but, but I had her there and that's, and she was there to the finish line, which was, which is great. You know, she, she went to the finish line and got to see me finish. So, that was sweet. Yeah. Uh, so she did her six miles and then you picked up Tom, right? Picked up Tom <laughs> and Tom is just one of just lo- most loyal, uh, guys and he will do anything for you. And I remember, you know, asking, I, actually I just kind of sent out a group text and right when I had registered for it. And of course, Dan and Hannah were pregnant and their baby was going to be coming around that time. So they couldn't help me. And then poor Sarah and Tori, they're injured. And so, um, and then Barbara, it's like, she had so many events going on that weekend. So there, there wasn't just a lot of people that could be with me. And, um, Tom, I wasn't even sure of, and he, we had gone on a run, several weeks before the race. And he said, I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to talk to Cindy and see if I can pace you. And I'm like, you don't have to, you know, (laughs) of course I'd love to have you. And he ended up texting me that day and saying, I'm so excited. I'm going to be there. And so I wanted him to definitely be that last person to bring me in. And I knew he could do those kind of miles. Um, and so we, we weren't able to pick up another pacer after 85. So I think that was another 18 to 20 miles in, you know, whoever's mileage you're actually looking at. Um, and you know, he was great as always. And we always have things to talk about and, uh, he's very much, a uh, he cares for you and make sure you're doing okay. And, you know, this time I wanted to run in front of him. I ran in front of my pacers most of the time, just so I could keep my own pace and not worry about keeping up with somebody else. Um, but with him, we, 
I, I didn't expect the Weaver Creek out and back. I'd forgotten about this horrible part. Um, <laughs> horribly wonderful. Um, and, and so that was an unexpected, even though it shouldn't have been unexpected, that this three mile down, 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 down. And then you turn around and you come up, 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 up. And so that section was, was kind of a shocker for me, even though it shouldn't have been. But, um, yeah, we started descending down that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how in the world am I going to get back <laughs> up this? But but we did. Um, and he was really encouraging the whole time, like, we can do this. We've got one more climb or whatever. And I knew once I got to that point it was kind of home free at that, you know, that, that was the hardest last climb and it's just kind of rolling after that, just little ups and downs. And so, um, he was great encourager to get up that, up that mountain. (laughs) But, um, that was the, that was the kind of, that was also the point where I knew I, I had second female. And the reason I knew that is because I, I kept thinking if I see anybody on this out and back, cause you pass all the runners that are in front of you. And I was like, if I don't see another female, then I don't think there's any way. Cause it takes you a good hour and a half or so, or two hours to get through that six miles. And so I, I just thought if I don't, if I don't pass them and I never saw another female. So I was like, okay, I'm, I cannot believe this, but <laughs> I'm going to get second female you know, unless something happened, but yeah, it was, it was uh, that we had to do the loop again and punch our bib and saw a copperhead. Um, fortunately Tom was actually in front of me at that point, uh, which was unusual, but he had run ahead a little bit and he saw it because I don't think I would have seen it. And I tend to be a draw for copperheads for some reason. Like (laughs) I see them all the time. People see bears all the time. I see copperheads all the time. And so, I kind of laughed about that, that we saw one, but, um, and then we took that last, you know, the last part is mainly road and you're going down this big road descent. And I had visualized that part in my mind, um, after we'd already done it that earlier in the day before, (laughs) um, (laughs) that was one thing I just kept picturing Tom and I together running down that, that hill. And I don't know why that kept being in my brain, but, but then we were running down and it was like, this is that moment, you know? And they changed the ending from the beginning. Um, you had to run this little trail into this field. I'm like, I have no idea where we are or where the finish line is now. Um, and then once we popped out onto, uh, the gravel road that goes up to the Camp Morganton Mm -hmm. building, uh, there's a slight incline and you can't see the finish banner. Um, and I looked at Tom, I was like, I am not running up this. Uh, um, I'm going to walk. So we, we, you know, power hiked up to the top. I said, as soon as I see it, I'll start running yeah. and, you know, ran into the finish line with Tom and oh. well, actually with Kata cause Kata joined <laughs> me and we ran across the finish line together and oh, it was, wow. it was awesome. Did you visualize that finish like with Kata or do you ever think about like in your training, do you ever visualize your, your, your run or your finish? I, I tried to. It was so easy with Hellbender because I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was what was hard about this one is I, I just had no visual of anything. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't know what the finish line looked like. Right. I didn't. Um, and so I wasn't able to visualize it until I was in the race. Understood. And so that was very strange, yeah. which I think made it harder. Right. But, you know, I, I didn't know what the finish line would look like, but I knew Kata was going to be there and I assumed she was going to run with me. But 
I did just try to picture myself finishing and crossing and cause I do think that helps. I yep. think if you can visualize yourself completing it because there was many times in the training because of not knowing the course, it scared me that I couldn't visualize finishing and I would be like, no, you've, you know, you've no matter what, even though you don't know what it looks like, just visualize yourself finishing and so that that was hard during yeah. training is just not knowing anything. Right. It was, that is, that is, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, a lot of these courses, like I said, hellbender, you know, but you know, like some of the, like, you know, Western States, for instance, you can look up a video yeah, <laughs> and you can see the track at Auburn, you know, and you can visualize the, the finish line and all that stuff. Whereas this one, it's, especially since it was a new course, mm-hmm. you know, so that, yeah, that is, that's challenging. Um, but you ended up second female. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> looks like, uh, just over 30 hours on this one. Yeah. Was there a time goal here? Nope. No. Oh yes, there was not. So I said, nope, really fast because I didn't have like, Oh, 30 hours. I had 32 hours. And okay. the reason I had that was I didn't want to go back into the dark again. And I knew at 32 hours is going to be eight o'clock mm-hmm. and it would start getting dark. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my goal for this one, I knew it was going to be slower than hellbender, just looking at people's times from the past right. and, you know, seeing their hellbender time and then seeing their cruel jewel time. I'm like, okay, this is going to be longer. Yeah. So I gave myself 32 hours um, because I really, really did not want to go back into the night again. So I never looked at my watch for my um, after about mile. Once it got dark on Friday night, I didn't look at my watch again. Um, The only reason I looked at my watch during that time was just to see, am I approximately right about my times that I thought I might be mm-hmm. getting in. Um, but after that, I didn't I didn't really want to know. And I kept asking, I think I asked Lisa, and I think I asked, I know I asked Tom. I'm like, I just want to, you know, do you think I'm going to finish before dark? And I refused to look at my watch. <laughs> and, and they were both like, yes, I think you're going to finish. And Tom was like, definitely, you're going to finish. <laughs> and Matthew was even going to give, um, no, Jonathan was going to give me my waist lamp. Uh, the last time I saw him and Matthew told him, no, don't, don't give it to her cause she won't need it. And I think it would have almost been defeating to get my waistlamp back. <laughs> like, Oh no, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so I was glad that he didn't even, you know, well, give that to, to me. The line, yeah, right? <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> so I was just glad to be done before dark. And I remember sitting down after the finish line and you had these massager things that you can put your legs in, which was great. Thank you. Cruel jewel. Um, but the guy sitting behind, beside me said, Oh, you didn't finish under 30 hours. You just missed it. Oh. And I looked at him and I was like, I, I honestly, that's the first time I've ever even thought about that. It's like, yeah. it, you know, I didn't tell him, Oh, that wasn't a goal, but right. you know, I had, it didn't even cross my mind. And like, that was not even, I was just happy to finish it 30 hours and three minutes or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was, that was an interesting statement, but, um, <laughs> it wasn't a goal. Obviously it was his goal. So, he he and, got it. And, yeah, and he, <laughs> so you got second overall, and like I said, thirty oh three with Hellbender. It was uh, twenty eight fifty one. So um, yeah, it's just both impressive times for <laughs> for for those respective courses. That's incredible. Um, and of course, you know, having the family there, Akeda and, yeah. and Jonathan, 
um, is fantastic. You can listen to um, Tara's. I'll, I'll put her episode um, where Jonathan is on the episode with Tara, uh-huh. uh, talking about the. Well, she has both the Hellbender experience and the Cruel Jewel experience as, as separate episodes. But yes. I'll put a link to those uh, as well because they're they're well worth listening to. She gets a lot more in depth, and Jonathan gives some insights, which is really nice. And mm-hmm. Kata makes a guest yes. appearance as well. So. Yes, she does. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. Now they all want to go next time. You know, the kids because I think just hearing Kata's experience. Yep. They yeah. wanna, they wanna go. That's fantastic. So that will be awesome. I'm glad well, there's that if interest. I sign up for another one, <laughs> <laughs> um, which also leads us to um, facing vert the podcast that yes. you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, where did that stem from? Wow, that's a that's also a good question. Sometimes I ask myself that because <laughs> I am not, I'm not a talker. Like I'm not one that can. Don't ask me to get up on a stage and give a public speech. Um, I I don't. That terrifies me. Um, so it, I laugh at the fact that I've started a podcast <laughs> because I am not that person. But when I signed up for Cruel Jewel, um, I desperately sought out every podcast I could find and every YouTube video because I didn't know anything about mm-hmm. the race. And so I I took all those in. And as I was approaching, you know, Hellbender, uh, the start that, you know, that happens in May, the weekend before, people were asking me about my experience with Hellbender. And like, I remember running with this one guy who joined our group run and he, he was, I think he's from California and he had several friends coming from California and they just knew nothing about the course. Mm. And I had had this weird thought of doing a podcast. And again, I was laughing at that. Um, but <laughs> it was almost confirmation of, okay, you know, at, at least put out a help Ender episode. And that kind of stemmed the, the podcast. And, you know, the first one I still won't listen to because it's just me, <laughs> uh, talking and, um, I don't want to listen to myself talk, but you know, I had to introduce myself of, you know, I, I'm not I'm not any sort of you know pro or epic person or anything like that. So this is very strange that I even have a podcast. But um, you know, not a coach, not an elite runner like you are. But oh, um, anymore. But I just <laughs> <laughs> oh hush. Um, and so yeah, it's very strange that I started. But but I found that that's the most you know that episode is the most listened to episode, which is the reason why I put it out and. Um, who knows what, what the other purpose is and, and who it might touch. But, you know, the main goal of it is called Facing Vert because um, both on trails and in life because I might not just interview people that run or that are even athletic, but people that have gone through challenges or mountains or vert and, and hear their experience, either how they're dealing currently being in it or getting through it. Yeah. So, um, so it's been, it's been so fun just to talk to people, honestly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's a great part of the podcast is having those conversations yes. and hearing stories. It's, it's inspiring and it's, it's wonderful just as hearing your story is. So thank you for, I'm sorry. I've talked that. so much on this. No, that's what you were supposed to be. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. I think everybody got a, a great story here and we could take a lot of takeaways. So thank you for, for sharing all of that. No problem. Um, how best to connect with you? Um, through, I mean, you can follow Instagram at facing Bert is, um, my Instagram, my, my private Instagram is, uh, at life loving Tara. 
I think that's it. <laughs> I don't even know my own I, I Instagram. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm also on Strava. Uh, right. So you can follow me there. Um, but yeah, you can message me on any of those cool. platforms. Uh, and like I said, I'll put a link to the, the podcast. Um, any final thoughts, anything you want to say? I think just, you know, your body is capable of doing more than it, than you think it can. And, I think I've enjoyed learning that and I know not everybody can run a hundred miles and, and I understand that that's kind of crazy for people, but your you know, my hundred miles might be your 5k or, you know, maybe it's literally just getting up in the morning and having a positive attitude about your day. You know, it's, everybody's got their own challenges and mine just happens to be long runs. Um, but you know, you, you can do those things. And it's funny because Kato had this like epic statement at the end of my podcast, but she's like, you can do hard things. And I was like, (laughs) where did that come from? But she's so right. You know, you can do hard things and, and you are capable of more and, and just, just try it. You know, it doesn't hurt to try. We're going to fail at, but doesn't mean you can't try again. Sure. So yeah, there you go. That's great parting words. Uh, thank you again. And congratulations one more time. <laughs> I am honored that I'm on here. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. I want to just say thank you to Tara for sharing her story and her journey. Um, again, you can hear more from Tara on her podcast, Facing Bert. Uh, so check that out. I'll put some links in the show notes so you can find Tara. Um, and congratulations, (laughs) obviously congratulations, Tara, on such an amazing run. Uh, very happy for you. Um, cruel jewel was an amazing experience for a number of my athletes. I had six running, uh, five of which finished, uh, the sixth got 50 miles, which was, um, a, a great endeavor for that athlete. So very proud of my athletes as well for, for their accomplishments there. Um, a number of other hundreds coming up, um, as well as, uh, Natalie Daniel, uh, who I continue to coach. Uh, she had a great finish at, uh, Massanutten. Um, you know, as we all do, we, she went through some, some trials and tribulations, um, had to, you know, make her way through a number of, of tough situations. Um, always enjoy, you know, talking with Natalie after her races and catching up with her. Um, so congratulations to Natalie as well on her finish at Massanutten. So pretty cool. Um, really happy to share my journey with these athletes and, uh, you know, I continue to reflect upon, um, all of the, the athletes that I coach and, you know, what they mean to me and, and what my job as a coach, um, means, uh, not only to me, but to them. And that continues to inspire me to, to learn and to be a better coach, um, in any way I can, how can I learn? Um, how can I improve their running? How can I improve them? So really enjoying, um, you know, my, my coaching right now. Um, you know, that said, I do not have any space right now for coaching, um, other athletes, anybody new looking for coaching. Unfortunately, I am full (laughs) at the moment. Um, you know, continue to check back from time to time if you're interested in in trying to come on board for coaching. Uh, but as I said, right now, especially with the grand slam coming up, um, I am, I am just booked up. So, um, but uh, like I said, continue to check back from time to time to see if any spaces have opened if you are interested in that. As I said in the beginning of the podcast, there might be some changes coming up. Um, I'm looking at rebranding 
um, MR running pain stemmed from a place where I was, you know, trying to put on events, um, and kind of, um, you know, make a, a brand for events. Um, I don't feel the, um, the name of the company kind of embodies what I do in coaching and in my podcast. Um, so I, I feel like there's a disconnect between that. So, um, I'm working on rebranding. Um, I have, uh, um, I'm working with, um, a, uh, you know, a, a marketing person that, uh, can, you know, start to help me, uh, rebrand and, you know, come up with a new company name, logo, et cetera. So, um, I'm, I'm in that process right now. <laughs> so, um, change could be coming in that regard, which I'm excited about because I feel it, it's, uh, it's time for a change in, uh, in name and brand. So, um, so stay tuned for that. Now more news on that to come, obviously. <laughs> um, training, training is going, um, pretty well, I'll say. Um, I ran out and back on shut-in. You may have seen that on Strava. Um, that was this past Sunday. So I'm recording this on, uh, what is it, Wednesday, May 31st. So uh, just this past Sunday, it ran out and back on shut-in. Um, now, you know, this is something I kind of talked with my athletes. I do uh, um, lunch with coach once a week on Zoom with my, my athletes, and uh, we just kind of talk about things. And, uh, you know, recognizing that this effort um, was, was getting, you know, we're getting pretty close to Western States. Um, it's uh, actually three weeks from this Saturday is Western States. Um, and recognizing that I, you know, I, I had a all, you know, take into account that I need to recover from it and that, you know, the effort couldn't be too hard. I needed to really just take it easy so that I could recover, you know, a little easier from it. So, um, you know, with that in mind, I, I, you know, I did the, the out and back, it was my slowest time to date, um, which is fine. You know, I, I on Monday I woke up with no soreness, um, uh, which is always great having done, um, the out and back on shut in. And, and for those not familiar with, uh, the out and back, uh, it was about 33, miles, um, 77 to 7,800 feet of elevation gain and descent. Um, so, um, you know, tough single track trail, um, you know, technical in some spots, runnable in others. Uh, it's a good mix, uh, of, uh, you know, it, primarily single track crosses over the parkway a number of times, uh, met my wife and daughter at the, uh, the Pisca parking lot. Um, my friend and, um, amazing pacer, Nathan France, who's been on the podcast. He ran the out with me, which was fantastic having that company all the way to Pisca. Uh, and then I just threw on some music on the way back and, uh, and just enjoyed, you know, my run back without worrying about, you know, how fast I was going or, you know, I just, I didn't want to get hurt. You know, that's one thing. And again, I just didn't want to spend a ton of her time um, recovering from, you know, pushing a hard effort. So um, I felt good on Monday. Uh, maybe did a little too much extra on Monday. Uh, the schedule called for four mile run, two mile treadmill hike, and then some sauna time. And, uh, I think that, you know, may have been a little bit much for the day after a uh, big effort like that. So, you know, Tuesday left me feeling a bit tired. Um, uh, you know, I, I just kind of backed off on the schedule on Tuesday, which we have to do sometimes. Um, you know, so the schedule called for 10 miles with some strides and I just didn't have it in my legs. Uh, just, you know, ran you know, about six and a half miles, just super slow and easy. And, uh, like I said, wasn't feeling it. So I just came home early. 
and called it a day, you know, let my coach know I'm just, I was just tired, just fatigued. Um, you know, just doing a lot of work right now. Um, trying to get ahead so that when uh when western states comes and the the time gap which is three weeks between western states and vermont i won't have to do too too much work um so i'm trying to get my schedules for my athletes done well in advance Uh, so just you know putting in a lot of extra time right now on that and just trying to make sure that i'm taking care of all the small things um you know unfortunately uh body woke up super early this morning just because i had a lot of work to do um, so I kind of rolled out of bed around 4am, um, got going, uh, just so I can get, like I said, get things you know, done, caught up and, um, get on with my day make sure I get my training in. And, um, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it still gave me about six hours sleep. Um, not, not ideal, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, I, I need to do a little better there as, you know, as we do <laughs> do a little better on sleep and get some rest. But, um, you know, everything else is going pretty well. Um, I'm pleased with the way, you know, things are going. Um, I've got a call with my coach today, kind of talk about things. Um, he's got a big workout on the schedule for this week. And like, I'm just in, in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, like I'm not feeling we really need to do it and push it after last week. I had 95 miles last week. Um, so that's, that's big mileage, you know, for, well, for anyone, but for me particularly, uh, it's a big week uh, to come off of and to try to push, uh, you know, a big workout this week. I'm just not sure it's in the interest of my body right now, um, and, you know, in the interest of recovery. So that's, uh, you know, a conversation we'll have today and kind of weigh whether it's worth it or not, because, uh, you know, I, I just really want to make sure I'm recovered and ready for, for Western. That's the goal, and, and he knows that. So, um, but we'll have that conversation today. Um, other than that, yeah, things are, things are good. Um, you know, I, I hope they're well by you. Um, you know, keep the questions coming. I did have a question roll in, which, um, I kind of replied to, um, but I'll, I'll kind of expound on it a little bit more. So, um, you know, I want to, I want to thank the right person for the, uh, the question. So, um, I'll make mention of, of them, uh, here in, in a moment, but their question to me was, um, uh, how do you prioritize vert in your training? For example, if you have a race three to four months out uh, with like 10,000 uh, feet of vert, um, do you just get as much vert as possible per week or do you only prioritize it a month before the race and try to match that of the race? So um, this comes from um, Tara Scott on Instagram. So Tara, thanks for the question. Um, and uh, the answer being if you are training um, – so I always like to introduce, um, kind of some, some vert about, um, you know, 12 weeks out, I start introducing it. It's not the primary focus at that point in the training, but that's when I start to introduce it into some of the medium and long runs. Um, again, you know, it's, it's not the primary focus, but what we do is we look at the average elevation gain, um, of the race. So, you know, in Tara's example, if it's 10,000 feet of vertical gain, then 10,000 divided by a hundred, you get about a hundred feet of, uh, of gain per mile. So, um, what we're looking for over the course of your long run, of course, if you're going for like, say a 16 mile long run, 16 times a hundred, you're looking at about 1,600 feet of elevation gain for that entire run. 
Okay, so um, it's always good to replicate the course um, and and try to um, you know replicate what you're going to be racing on. Of course, if you can get on the course, that's the most ideal. But if you can't, replicate it the best you can. Um, whether that be just running on single track or you know getting in some some climbs, you know, for instance, like Western States, we say the first four miles is the climb up the escarpment. So a lot of my runs, I try to get a big climb right at the beginning, in which you know I really slow down, if not hike, for you know a number of miles. May not be four miles, but you know I hike at first or go really easy at first, and then kind of work into the rest of my run. So replicating the the course the best you can is awesome. So, you know, that kind of 12 weeks out, we're introducing vert into our medium and long runs. And then um, about nine weeks out from, especially from a hundred miler is where you really start to focus on it, you know, adding maybe some treadmill hiking. So you get in some, um, some extra vert on your recovery days. Um, And, you know, whatever your treadmill um, presents you with, that's, that's great. You know, if it's only 15% incline that the treadmill goes up to, it's 15% incline, use that Uh, and kind of build up how much you're doing. Um, I've talked about treadmill hiking in the past, so you can go back into previous episodes and check that out. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, introducing treadmill hiking, uh, if you don't have access to a treadmill, maybe it's just doing some weighted vest walking. Uh, you don't have to use a lot of weight. Uh, you know, typically, uh, 10 to 12 pounds is will suffice. So, um, don't do, don't do a ton. I mean, you can, you know, you can increase it and increase load, but just remember if you're doing this on your recovery day, you don't want to do too much that taxes you too much that hurts your muscles too much and be real careful if you're doing it on the downhills. Okay. Um, so in that, you know, nine weeks out from race day, that's where you really start to want to, um, ramp up your, um, your vert per week. And, you know, your, your end goal is to try to get in as much vert in the week as your race. So in Tara's example, um, she said there's 10,000 feet of gain. So you're looking at trying to average about 10,000 feet of gain per week. Um, now some of these bigger races that gets tougher and tougher, right? Like if we're talking in the twenties, that's really tough to, you know, especially if you don't live somewhere where there's a ton of vertical gain, it's tough to get that. So, you know, do what you can do, what you're, you have access to. Um, and you know, um, if you have to use the treadmill for some runs, just to add in some, some vert in which you're, you know, constantly running at a grade, um, do so, but mix it up. Don't constantly be on the treadmill trying to get vert. You know, you want to get outside. You want to get the legs used to running on a trail on, you know, on different surfaces, um, service roads, etc. So don't do it all on treadmill. But yeah, do what you can to get in the vert. Try to hit those, you know, those weekly vert goals. You know, that's that's what we're trying to do. And as I said, your your medium meter long runs, you're trying to hit that that vertical gain average per mile number. So again, like you know, we're looking at. The long run, um, you know, so in Tara's example, again, 100 feet of gain per mile. So, um, and, you know, if you're running time-based, do just pick a route that has, um, you know, uh, a significant amount of of gain that, you know, you can work on. Um, So... Uh, I hope that helps, Tara. Uh, if you guys have any further questions, pass them along. You know, reach out to me in whatever way you can. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I love taking questions through Strava. Um, you know, obviously Instagram's fine, Facebook Messenger, whatever you have questions, just you know, please pass them along. Happy to answer them. Um, and you know, if I don't answer your question in enough detail. 
ask me again, ask me, well, can you be more specific on this? And I'm happy to, to go into further detail. We maybe even take a entire podcast episode and go, you know, a deep dive into that. So, um, but thank you. Thank you, Tara, for the question. Uh, thank you, Tara Jordan, for being a guest. Congratulations. Uh, next week, uh, I've got Jeremy Payton on the podcast. He just ran his first 50K, and he actually did it on the Art Loeb Trail as an uh, adventure with some, some other friends. So we're going to talk about his preparations, um, you know, what he did to prepare not only in training, but you know, to get logistically ready for this, um, this adventure run and, uh, and how it went. So um, stay tuned for that next week. Uh, Look forward to that conversation with Jeremy. And until next time, keep running, my friends.